Stings out of here. Go on into the service this morning. Coming from the book of Isaiah, the 41st chapter. I think this may be the last studying or teaching in it. We, we've gone through it. We hadn't exhausted the whole chapter, but some of it goes within the next chapter that we can work it in there. Uh, also, some of it's coming from Daniel, the second chapter of Daniel. Around the 39th verse through the 45th verse, but I would advise reading the whole chapter to get the context of it. Um, the doctrine this morning, we, the name of our sermon is Preach Those Things Which Become Sound Doctrine. We want to know, in preaching those things, it says, which become sound doctrine. And we know that the basic meaning of the term doctrine is teaching. Teaching of Christian doctrine accordingly. It is the attempt to state in intellectually responsible terms the message of the gospel and the contents of the faith that it elicits. Now seeing that, talking to Titus, he says, preach those things which become sound doctrine. I'll examine that a little bit closer as we go along or whatever. But the reading scripture from the book of Numbers from the 11th chapter and the 29th verse that said uh, that Moses said unto them, Envious thou not for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So we see here that some of the people in the camp was upset because some people were outside the camp prophesying. And what prophecy is, is, you know, it's proclaiming, it's a proclamation, making a proclamation of something. Uh, it's sometimes it's foretelling, but really it's like our message says this morning. And preaching, which is a proclamation, preach those things which become sound doctrine. In a way, what these people were doing was stating what God had said, a God's word. And that's what we're to do. Go about, he says, when Jesus commissioned us in the book of Matthew, 29th chapter, he says, Go ye into all nations, preaching and teaching and making disciples, baptizing in my name. So what we're doing, we're going for proclaiming the word of God. Just like he said that Moses was going to be a god to Aaron because Moses said he couldn't speak. And all what happened was that was God would talk to Moses and Moses would tell Aaron what he said and Aaron would just speak those things what Moses gave him. He would make a proclamation of it. He would speak those things. So the first point we're looking at iterating this morning is prophecy. Prophecy is, I told you, is a proclamation of who spoke for one who speaks for another or who speaks. Now, there are prophets. You remember the prophets of Baal? But what were they in the terms of theology? God said that they were false prophets. It doesn't mean that they was, wasn't prophets, that they spoke forth the word, but it wasn't God's word. And that's why God's telling Titus to speak those things which becomes sound doctrine. In other words, those biblical things after what Jesus was saying, and that's why Moses was saying he wished that they all, they were all prophets or would prophesize. So 
A proclamation is one who speaks for another, just speaking in terms of speaking for another. And sometimes a prophecy is given, uh, and it is God who, whose spirit guides you in the interpretation of that prophecy. God has to guide you, and that's what guided Daniel in his prophecies that he, we have. Well, we know we got a lot of prophecies from Daniel, and that's where I might it not say cut my teeth on, but that's I can get a hunk of that prophecy. I can look at it and go back and it it helps establish me in the gospel and it gives me a sort of a timeline. Yes. How did Daniel's prophecies come about? Sister Harris was asking me the other day at Bible study about Daniel was having a dream. His dreams. And we see that his prophecies came about that he dreamed these things and some of the kings like Nebuchadnezzar and, and had a it was bothering him, something was bothering him, but Daniel said only God can interpret what a dream is. So here we have Daniel having a dream of God giving Daniel interpretation of what Nebuchadnezzar, what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. We know Nebuchadnezzar was a servant of God, but we also know that he couldn't interpret uh, 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 the other wise, wise men of Nebuchadnezzar couldn't interpret his dream. Daniel prayed for the interpretation of it. All Daniel did was... Pro- so Daniel didn't have the prophecy, right? Daniel proclaimed what God had gave to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. So you could have dreams of visions and just because you have a dream, and they say if you have a dream, you can tell a dream or whatever. But just because you dream something, that doesn't mean it's from God. Everything you dream is not necessarily from God. And then, as I said Friday also, I mean Thursday night at Bible study, that you can't interpret your own dream. Joseph said the same thing that when Pharaoh had these dreams, only God can interpret a dream. So you have people that saying that they can interpret dreams and all these things that one of the things comes to mind at that time, I don't know if it comes to y'all mind, about Balaam. We don't, you know, that's an enigma, an enigma. Balaam, a lot of people wonder, was he from God? What, what was about him? Because we know God did talk to Balaam even though Balaam wasn't a fully converted, he wasn't a converted person or whatever, but he knew he could only speak that which God gave him to speak. So some of the things he went away and saw, he said he saw or whatever, is that God had gave him that to speak, and he said he couldn't speak no more than what God had gave him to speak. But here he's been hired to curse a group of people, but he could only say what God had given him to say, and each time he spoke, he blessed the people. It was about blessings and things to come. And that's what God's word is. That's what we have to do is speak. The, and if we speak what God has given us, it becomes part of what God is arguing about, uh, uh, stating about in our text here from Isaiah, the 41st chapter. And uh, it, it's like a court scene where God calls the Gentiles and all of the other nations and even the Israelites, the ones that who have went, went off into idolatry and all of these things. He calls them to bring forth and can they idols do these things? 
read this. It says, "For I, verse 13, For I, the Lord thy God, will uphold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make a, thee a new... Now hold this verse here, because I don't want to have to read it again. But hold this verse here... Just put it up on air, air bubbles there. Just kind of hold it in the air and keep it in mind. It says, Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and shall make the hills as chaff. Now that's a lot of symbolism and metaphors in there, and he's talking about people. He's not talking about inanimate objects and, like they say, talking speak to the mountain and make the mountain go into the sea and all of these things. This was a metaphor for the people and the problems and the wickedness that they were going against. He says, Thou shalt fan them and the wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and shall glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and the needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth them for the thirst, I the Lord will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry lands springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the chittim tree, and the myrtle, and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree, the pine, and the box tree together. This gives you a word picture of what God's doing not in just in the land. It, it's a physical thing of what the earth and recreation would produce, but it's also teachers and people that of different stances in life. The fir tree, the box tree, reference to teachers and preachers and those of, of different heights. The cedar tree would be strong like a shepherd or, or what's leading the flock or whatever. So you're getting these, this nourishment from others and the gospel is going forth. God's word is watering his people. God's providing all this for his people to grow in the strength in him. That's why he says, fear not, Jacob, thy worm. I'll strengthen you. But these sources of water sometimes come through other people and other sources that God uses to proclaim his word and to proclaim the things of God. But we have to know God or study and seek to find God and knowing that God could be anywhere and he is anywhere and everywhere, but that we have to understand and come to a knowledge of God. Uh, he has to give us wisdom to know that this is he speaking. Now, it says that they may see and know and consider and understand together the hand of the Lord had done this, the Holy One of Israel had created it. So everyone won't know, everyone won't see, because he doesn't give everyone ears to hear, eyes to see, and understanding to know that he's doing something. So we at his mercy, and that's what we do. We pray to a merciful God that we receive mercy, that he would open up our eyes. That's why he says, when they cry to me, the poor that are oppressed, the people that don't have the wherewith to, and they understand that they're feeble, they're like a worm, they're insignificant. They need God to strengthen them from within for God to give them the nourishment to grow like a tree, to grow as strong as a tree. But you know, a tree has to stay planted in one place. 
So without the assembling together of yourselves in the churches where he had put the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, he had given gifts unto the church. But let's say it says, "Produce your cause," saith the Lord. Now he's talking to the Gentiles, to the idols, to the one that's rebellious among Israel that had made graven images and idols. This is a challenge. This is an indictment. You say, "Produce your cause," saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, says the King of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and the form and show us. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things what that they be that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare us things for to come. Prophesize to us. Tell us something that we can see that you know from the beginning to the end and from the end back to the beginning. That you know this thoroughly and that these so-called gods or idols that you are making or that have become graven can do. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that ye are gods, ye do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Behold, ye are nothing, and your words are not, and abomination is he that chooses you. What? Abomination is those that choose you, because you can't do nothing, you're not a god, you can't produce. The people that listen at false prophets and false teachers and follow other men to the point of worshiping and not being able to separate these men. I tell you the other day, those that prophesize, those preachers and so-called prophets and mega pastors and all that that was on the televisions and places saying that Donald Trump will win this election and this will happen and the Lord has showed them this. Well, it didn't happen, did it? So you shouldn't fear those men or fear those people that said that the Lord had showed them this because that means they're false prophets. They didn't get that from God because God doesn't lie. And it says if a prophet speaks something and it doesn't come to pass, don't fear that man. God is not giving him that. But let me add this a little thing here to this, addendum to this, is that they didn't speak it without uncertainty to it. They didn't add, if it be the Lord's will. They said that this was the will of God. It was the way they phrased it. In other words, they said that they should have said that he should, that they shouldn't say, thus saith the Lord, that God did it. They think uh, that they hope it would be their opinion but it's not God's word. That's not sound doctrine. That wasn't instruct. That wasn't making a sure statement because it didn't come to pass. So anyone that does that and listen to them, it's like Hillary called Hillary Clinton had called them the deplorables. Because if you empowering someone, if you giving a false prophet, if you you empowering that person to be who he is and to help deceive other people. You sitting there helping him, you paying for his jets, you paying for his mansion, you paying for his clothes and all of these other things, you giving power to that. That's why he says, those that choose you of not an abomination is he that chooses you. The whole lot of you is the blind leading the blind. You don't see what you're saying, you see. So you're lying about it. You're misclaiming the God. Listen to this. That's why I say I put a, a part of that addendum on there. The book of Acts, the 10th to the 14th verse of the 21st chapter of Acts, 
It says, During our stay of several days, a man named Agabus, who also had, listen at this, he also had the gift of prophecy arise from Judea and visited us. He took Paul's belt of girdle and he bound it on his feet and hands with it and said, The Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the honor of this belt be bound by the Jews in Jerusalem and turned over to the Romans. Hearing this, all of us, the local believers and his traveling companions, begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem if, the, if he has the gift of prophecy. And the prophecy told Agabus that Paul would be bound if he go to Jerusalem. But he said, Paul said, why all of this weeping? Now, you remember I told you, Paul was a kind of different kind of bird. He was an eagle. He would fly, fly and soar. Some people in the church are not eagles. You know, sometimes when you talk about suffering or affliction or whatever, they kind of draw back. They don't want to have a hard time. That's those of the Tim LaHaye crowd and these that talk about being raptured out of here. It's kind of like the ones Mr. Brown tell me about, they'll throw a brick and hide your hand. That's what's happening with Christian nationalism. You want to say all these things and fight against the people and say all these things, but you want to get raptured or snatched out of here when the great tribulation comes, when it's proving and testing time comes. Jesus called the Pharisees a, a hypocritical and talked to them about this thing. You bind burdens on men that are heavy to bear, but you don't touch it yourself. You laying down the law and telling these other people these things, but when it comes to you, you want God to be easy on you. It's kind of like David when Nathan was telling him about the man that had this lamb, and the lamb uh, was the only lamb that this owner had, but this other man who had a lot of lambs or whatever took this man's one ewe lamb and killed it for the visitor that come. David says that man should die. What about this man? We should kill this man. But then when Nathan says, you, David, you the man. Well, now he's not ready to kill that man. You know, it's easy to talk about other people's children and other, but when it's your children, you want to throw a rug over it. You want to cover this up. It's easy to talk about the other fellow. And that's what God's been showing me all my life. I've been experiencing things. And then when it happens to me, I was talking about some of the long term care people and I was telling my brother about signing papers or doing this but then it wasn't until I become a long term care worker that signing papers and doing I see what they were talking about I see what they're going through no I see we don't see sometimes till we walk in the other man's shoe so but this is what they told Paul Paul don't go to Jerusalem they was begging him but Paul said why all this weeping you are breaking my heart for I'm ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but also to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that he wouldn't be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the will of the Lord be done. So sometimes prophecies is not that easy to receive. Joseph prophesied about the baker and the butcher, and when he told the, 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 the cupbearer of his dream, then it was a good dream and he was going to be restored back to his former position but then the baker he said that that was the birds eating of your head that your head's going to would take your head off your shoulder sometimes the prophet has to deliver hard prophecies yeah. 
he has to speak hard things. But we see that Paul went on to Jerusalem, and I don't want to get too far off the rabbit trail here about the eyewitness testimonies when I say Peter says there's more a more sure word of prophecy and that sometime eyewitness testimony may not be as reliable as the thing about prophecies and, and about the prophets didn't understand sometimes that's why I say the clarity of a dream of prophecy and it's of no private interpretation and sometimes we interpret it as say it's this and say it's that but it's cloudy. Paul said we see through a dark, a glass dark. It's dark, but it's coming clear and clear. The closer to, to the end that we get, the more better we understand some of these prophecies and things. So Agabus was right about this. He was right about this, and the Holy Spirit had given him this. But Paul says that he wasn't going to fear this. So he'd been warned. That's what prophecy from God does it forewarns us. It's a foretelling that's ahead of time of what shall be or what not to do. Sometime with these warnings, we could turn away and go the other way. You remember Balaam was warned and consistently warned. He was even warned by the donkey that was carrying him. That should have been something strange to him when a, a donkey turned around and speak to you. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's a lot of omens and things that we see in something we after you do it and it something happens to you, you say, well, I should have listened at something. You know, so we have to learn. That's why I say a discerning, we have to come to an understanding of God and sometimes his word, that's what makes that applicable and gives us the wisdom that he told Timothy that the gospel, the word scripture is able to make you wise unto salvation. Yes. Make you wise unto salvation. So, Paul was going to go through this suffering or whatever because that's what he, God had determined that Paul was going to do and Paul was led by the Spirit of God in this. Uh, now, should I go off on that right now? No. Uh, now, you remember Paul did go up to Jerusalem. Paul did go up to Jerusalem and he was bound. He was bound. They bound Paul and that's how he got to Rome. They taking him to Rome. Uh, I, like I said, I don't want to uh, uh, exposit this, you know, break this down for you. But Paul did go to Jerusalem, and he did bound. But they said that he said that the Ju the Romans was going to bound him. It says the Spirit says that by the Jews in Jer the owner of this belt would be bound by the Jews and. Jerusalem and turned over to the Romans. So this is what happened. And but Paul ignored the prophecy. You see what I'm saying? Even though it was a prophecy and it was a true prophecy from God, it did come true. Paul was warned, but Paul went on anyhow. Now, the other thing I was telling you about foretelling, like Moses said, he wished that they all would prophesy. Philip had four daughters that prophesied. The book of Acts, the 21st chapter, 7 through the 9th verse says, The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemus, where we greeted the believers, but stayed only one day. Then we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven deacons. This was a deacon in the church. 
This is Luke writing, and he was Paul's traveling companion, and they stayed at the house of Philip. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. And I tell you, prophecy was speaking for us. Now, that's why women can prophesy, and that's not having authority or leadership in a church. And just because one prophesizes, a, a, that does a, a, speaks of prophecy. David also spoke prophecy. That doesn't make them a pastor or a shepherd. That wouldn't violate that Paul says he suffered not a woman to teach or keep silent in church. That's silent in church. Some people take that the wrong way. They're legalists. He was saying that they shouldn't teach or be teachers or usurp authority in the church. But we see here that these women prophesied. They, in other words, they spoke the word of God. And that's what I say. A proclamation is just speaking forth the word of God. And especially at this time, because you remember I told you the other night, and I've told you in past time, that the New Testament hadn't been penned yet. They hadn't wrote the New Testament, so God was giving these things to them through revelation. So how else could they hear the word of God, the things of God, if it wasn't proclaimed or spoken to them? So these women spoke the word of God, but they wasn't pastors or teachers. That's why it's hard, It's really bad to get off on some tangent and take some scripture and just over-apply that scripture. He had those daughters that prophesied. Prophecy is God bringing something to mind. God brings it to mind. But a lot of people, they may say, well, the Spirit told me. Well, we careful of those things because don't say it's the Spirit of the Lord or what Spirit it was, but God does bring things to mind. We have those things that God puts in our mind, things that he drops into our mind, and that's how a lot of the prophecy of things come to us is through things being placed in our mind by God through others. God is a God of order. Now, let's not have confusion with God. There's no confusion with God. And with the early churches, you had some standing to say this and speaking in tongues. The book of Corinthians, the 14th chapter, the 29th and 31st verse says, let the prophet speak two or three and let the others judge. Why judge a prophet? Because we need to see, is this the word of God? Is he saying what's part of the word of God? That's why I say preach those things which become sound doctrine. But what we have nowadays is proclamations, not necessarily that these people are prophets, but we have teachers and pastors speaking those things that's not part of the word of God. They're speaking swelling words of their own opinion to draw others off after them because people get off into prophecies and great words and they're seducing spirits that are bounding nowadays. And that's why he told Timothy that perilous times would come. But you still need to keep in order in these things. So the Bereans, they didn't say anything while the people was teaching, but they went back and studied the scriptures to see what those things so because if they don't speak according to this word, in other words, to the scripture, this is the more sure word of prophecy. If it's not part of the context of scripture, we have a problem there. It's a false prophet. It says, if anything be revealed to another that said it by, 
let the first hold his peace, for ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn, <clears throat> and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, and in all churches of the saints. So don't say, well, you just couldn't hold your peace, you couldn't do that. No, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Now Paul speaks and warns about unsound doctrine. And that's what he was warning Timothy about. And that's what I was telling you. That especially in this day and time, especially with the nationalization of what the political and the false prophets and people talking about nationalizing Christianity. When that becomes your government or whatever, once God allowed those things to be torn down, if we build those back again, we become a transgressor. This is not a Christian nation. This is a nation that professes Christianity. It was built on a lot of Christian principles or whatever, but most of the churches has apostatized and most of a lot of your oppression and wrong speaking just like the young man that was fixing my tire this morning before I came to church, the reason he don't go to church is just because of the preachers and the people in the church, the way they dress and the things they say because they're not a true witness of God. So we have to be careful of that. This is the time of the Antichrist. This is the time of another Jesus. They are preaching this other Jesus. There's another gospel, a false gospel. That's what antichrist means. It's not against Christ. It, this is a, in other words, it's duplicating Christ. It's a counterfeit Christ. That's why Paul was saying Satan ministers are transformed into angels of light. So you need to be careful who you're listening to and what they're saying. He says, "For the time will come when men will put up will not put up with sound doctrine." Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You know, and that's what the churches have become is social clubs. There's no character building in those churches, and that's why he told Titus, speak those things which become sound doctrine, which is a part of this body of belief. Can Titus Jude says contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. The church doesn't have the power it had during the time it left Jerusalem because it's been diluted. The infiltration of the church has came about. God's people still have that power. We need to gain wisdom from God in these last days and that's through prudence. Being prudent in the things we do and say. Revelation is the 6th chapter, the ninth through the 11th verse. It goes back to, in the book of Acts when I said, some of us will have to suffer. Some of us, even though we take warning or whatever, will go through a lot of things. Uh, a, a lot of things that my wife is going through or whatever. I'm hurt by them or sometimes it touches me or whatever. But this is part of the whole deal. So that's why we pray and we understand that just because something is going on doesn't mean that God's not in that. Listen at the saints of God. Listen at what the saints of God are saying because in prophecy as this 
vials of are being poured out as the bold bowls of in this last day of prophecy. Listen at what happens when the fifth seal is broken. This comes from the book of Revelation. It says that when he broke open the fifth seal, I saw an altar and underneath it all the souls of those who had been marred for preaching the word of God and for being a faithful witness. There are those that were killed, those that were marred, in other words, killed for preaching the word of God. Isaiah, uh, that was sawed in half. Peter was crucified upside down. There have been a lot of people, not just apostles and prophets, that has witnessed and testified. Think of what's going on in China and some of the African nations that just have gone out about the world. Even in your own family and in places where you ostracized for preaching the word of God. And that's why a lot of people don't preach the whole counsel of God because people really don't like holiness because they don't want to turn. They love darkness rather than light. That's why it's prevailing here in this Babylon that we live in because people are used to creature comforts. In other words, the things of this world, a material world. So, this, let me finish that verse, what he tells those other people that are asking him how long. It's a lot of us looking forward to his return because of the things we're going through. You remember John the Baptist, he was asking, he said, are you the one or should we look for another? Well, John was locked up and in jail. Herod had thrown him in prison. And he says, now he didn't preach the word of God. He says, of all men, there were none greater than John. But here John is the one who declared that the Messiah was the Lamb of God, that Jesus was the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. And now he says, are you the one or should we look for another? See, because a lot of people want to be healed. They want, that's why the word of church, faith churches are prosper because it's easy to tell people about prosperity and healing and all these things because that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear that you have to suffer to enter in. They don't want to hear love your enemy. They don't want to hear that you are worm. That they, no, they want to hear that you are you have favor with God. You a Christian nation. That you are special people should treat you this way. That you, but if they did it to the green tree, they could do it to the dry tree. Or is it backwards? Is it they did it to the dry tree? They'll do it to the green tree. If they did it to those that was old, if they did it to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you don't think they could do it to you? Um, a servant is no greater than his master. So this world doesn't love the things of God. Those who will be popular in this world, it was in Noah's time, was the men of renown. So what do God tell those people that are suffering? And that's why he said, these are those who stood by the walls of the church in the heat of the day. In other words, when things got hard, they didn't get snatched out of here. They were still fighting when it was hard to fight. They were fighting when it was rough and tough. But he says, they called loudly to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge the people of the earth for what they've done to us? When will you avenge our blood against those living on the earth? White robes were given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until their other brothers, fellow servants of Jesus Christ, had been marred on the earth and joined them. So y'all just rest because it's Samoa that has to die. 
It's a mold that has to go through these tribulations and through these things. See, fighting this battle is not as easy as a lot of people saying it. We will get bloody in this one, boys. We will get bloody. I, he, what did Winston Churchill tell his people? I have nothing awful but blood, sweat, and tears. Are we ready to roll up our sleeves and get dirty in this thing? He's going to wash us in his blood. We're washed in the blood of the Lamb. But drinking the cup, they say we can drink the cup. Well, if you think you can drink that cup and it's going to be that easy, it ain't going to be easy as talking about this is easy, they say. And that's going to be a restoration. But they ask him when he's going to deal with these others. I call them prognosticators, prognosticators. These are one that's making proclamations and false prophecies and all of these things. I call them prognosticators because God does. You remember he said that tell them to speak something for and these people that are speaking things for the false prophets and diviners will be judged along with those who empower those. Those I said, they were abomination. You the one who put this person in power. You voted for him. You followed you and still is you gave him your money and thing. You gave him the resources to be able to do this to us. All of us has to be washed in the blood of the land. Just because you're in political power or some church, that don't make you better than me. Don't ever worship another man. No man, don't care what office he holds, no man or woman. And some people say, Oh Lord, he loves you. He worshiped the ground you walked on. Well, you got a fool at. When you worship the ground somebody else walk on, you got a fool that's an idolater. Both of y'all will be cast into hell. Now, God does tell the husband to love their wives. He created a woman where she loved her husband. It's a lot of women that's mistreating her husband. He's working like a dog, and she just misusing him and doing all kinds of things. God's going to deal with that. The prognosticators, the book of Isaiah, the 40. 7th chapter in the 13th verse he says thou art weary he's talking to Babylon now he's talking to the people that he sent his people into exile to these are the people that Isaiah was talking to his people in the 41st chapter there he says comfort ye my people because I'm going to make you a threshing instrument I'm going to, make, I'm going to give you a chance to get this to level the playing field but this is, he says, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. And you talking, let this save you. Those that give you all these words and say these things. And I don't call Josh Eaches a prognosticator, but that's what he do. He foretell. He uses instruments to try to foretell the weather. What's his name? Uh, the, the weather man on Channel 9 or Channel 2 or whatever. They determine or try to make a good guess at it. Sometimes they're wrong, but sometimes they hit the nail on the head. That's not in a way that's trying to prophesy, but they're not saying that they're a prophet of God because a lot of time, a good percentage of the time, they are wrong. But they are foretelling, and it does help. They're astrologers and stargazers, and they're using instruments, and that's what Solomon did through observation. Sometimes your parents, they may not, they're not prophets or whatever, but you can tell the lifestyle of some friends living or whatever, so you need to stay away from that. 
person or your that friend or whatever they gonna lead you. My father used to say, "Watch it, that boy, that guy, they gonna get you put in penitentiary." He used to call it penitentiary, you know. He said you would be in penitentiary fooling around with him. Some people's lifestyle, you may tell them to stay away from this through observation and through time and experience, through observing certain other things that gives you prudence. That's what Paul had prudence when he decided that he had to go, but that's part of God's will. He wasn't going to be worried. He could decide on the facts. And if the weatherman says this, and he said it wasn't going to rain so much this morning or whatever, but some areas should get it today, there was a few drops that hit my windshield on the way here. But most of the time they're chilling, right? But see, God's not against those things. Just like the doctor, he may tell you for your blood pressure, you may need to stop eating these things. He's foretelling a diagnosis or telling the problem, if you do this, this would come true or this would be better or this could help. But that's what wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and also God gives that to some of us to a point where it does help us. You understand what I'm saying? Well, we shouldn't say they're false prophets. And when you get into the sense of divining, when you get into theology, of theos, in other words, talking about God, and that's what this last president did. He mixed religion with it, and he bought the religion out. That's why a lot of Republicans think the Republican mean to be Christian. Well, look like it's being a false Christian. That's the problem with nationalism and bringing God into the picture. When I'm talking with people and they go to talking about God and saying this, it make hair stand up on me and make me start to pay much more attention. It's a lot of times because now you're not letting your life speak for you. You're trying to speak. It says, beware, watch the Pharisees. Do what they say do, but don't do as they do. In other words, a person can say they're Christian and their actions of their life would denote differently. So uh, he says... We are those that have been taught how to fight and that not against flesh and blood, not against using carnal weapons. So we have to learn to fight this battle. And that's why I say Paul left Mark because Mark had departed from him. We are in a, Christ, we are in a battle and the church is what puts the battle in a way in, in array and preaching the gospel is what does that. And that's why I say you can alienate a lot of people. Uh, you begin the fray when you declare yourself the Son of God. That's the first sermon I preached on 39th Street. My mother and them came to that service, and that's when I first used this Bible, and I was saying, that's what separated Jesus from his mother. When he turned wine, water into wine. When he said, what does that have to do to us, between us? That's why he says, once you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Once you declare yourself a Christian, a professed Christ, there's no turning back there now. You understand that? That's why he asked Peter and them, do y'all go back? y'all going back to or whatever? You remember some turned and went back because they said, this is a hard saying you say. See, because now you're in it into an arena of fighting the world. Now your sisters and brothers could be like Joseph's sisters and brothers. 
when Joseph was there coming up, they said, well, here come this guy with his dreams and everything. Don't you think your sisters and brothers ain't saying what he think he holding? They always trying to disprove that that if you had, they think that you have in your mind that you better than they are. You see, what Paul, what Peter said, you remember I said the guy told me at Parish Lumber about Satan has desire to shift sift you as wheat. See, so his brother still had that state of mind. His father said, Deal, don't hold against us what we did. See, because they had never been purged of their wickedness. So your sisters and brothers and wives and husbands and relatives and people, they always could try to prove or telling one another when you're not around that he think he a Christian. He say he a holy man and this and that, that. Trying to drag you down and make those accusations because you didn't walk into an arena now to where Satan's going to put every, all, throw everything he has at you. So there's no use whining and crying. And then that's what the people of this nation, they try to say that they are Christian, but they're always whining and crying about somebody doing them something or not treating them fair. So they're not going to treat you fair. The devil doesn't fight you fair. If they were fair, if it was fair, they would be children of God. Yes. No, it's not fair. Okay? They're not going to love you. So get it out your mind that they hold. Oh, you remember what I told you to keep that verse and hanging up on there on air hooks so you can pull it back down and watch it every once in a while? He says, Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and shall make the hills and shell. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord, and thou shalt, the Holy One of Israel. Every once in a while, when they come after you, God may give you something to lock that down, to beat them down. See, because you're not naive. Sometimes you let things go or whatever, but sometimes you have to jab them with the Word of God. You have to be bold. You remember Peter said, when Peter had that boldness, See, some, you, you're not going to go around here and be a punching bag for people or whatever. He says in the book of Ephesians what Paul says. He says, last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Because didn't he say, I will strengthen you, thy worm, Jacob? So it's not you, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's fighting this fight. So he says, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all the strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule the world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when he is, it is all over, you will be still standing. You'll be steadfast and standing. Place on you the whole armor of God. Now that will take studying the word of God. This will take prayer. It's going to take the spirit of God living within you and learn how to wield the word of God. You have to learn how to use that word of God. The world knew what Jesus' prophecies meant to their world in their empire. Matthew 26, 65 through 68, John 11, chapter 
47 through the 52nd verse. And that's why they spit on him and hit him in his face, said, prophesy. Now, once the world gets you down, once the people start trying to see who you are, say, well, now, where your gospel, where your preaching, where is this at? Prophesy to us now. Speak the word to us now. And what, how they humiliated and did to him. They're trying to bring you down to their level. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees and counseled and said, What do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us. Listen to this prophecy that he's saying. You remember I said God brings things to mind and even causes the enemy to speak things? Listen to what he says. Caiaphas the high priest. Ye know nothing at all, nor consider <coughs> that it is expedient for us that this one man die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And this he speak he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. And that's what the word says, that you, your sons and daughters, this is what unites the world that Jesus' death did. His blood shed the gospel. The, that's why you preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, and people don't want to hear the gospel because it's shedding light. It's a light breaker. <clears throat> the last... <clears throat> point is permeation. The word of God permeates the world. That's why he says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I tell you, baptism means to stain with the dye. Cover it. That water baptism, we're covered by Jesus Christ's blood. You want to be covered by the blood. You put it on the lintels of your boat doorposts, it says, for the Passover. In other words, you apply it to your life. You're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The second Sabbath, we always celebrate that with a table. His shed blood. And we have to be covered by the blood when he looks at us. But that blood should permeate every area of your life. It should go into you and take completely over you. It's a death to the self. Self dies and Jesus Christ, you put him on. It it cast out the kernel of the old man. You died to self daily. The same way the spirit, the word of God, permeates the whole world. In other words, the gospel has to go to the whole world, preaching to all nations. This is permeating the earth. That is what Daniel was speaking of. The rock cut out with hands. Second chapter of Daniel. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. This image was large and of unsurpassed splendor, stood before you, and its appearance was awesome and terrifying. As for this statue, its head was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly of plate, as pottery. You were looking... A stone was cut out without human hands and it struck the statue on its feet in iron and clay and was crushed 
Then the iron, the clay, and the bronze, and the silver were crushed together and became like chaff and the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. And the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's Christ in us. We're that rock, that rock, that spirit in us. The spirit of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. We go about preaching the word of God, preaching those things that become sound doctrine. That's going to cast darkness away. The evils going to be cut off. They're going to become a shaft. We're that threshing instrument wielding the word of God. That's our sword. That's our sword. We use that. That's our rod, and we crush the head of the enemy with that. That's what we are fighting with. Through That's our weapons. They're not carnal. They're strong through God and mighty by the pulling down of strongholds. We're praying. We're preaching and teaching the word of God. We're living the word of God. But we vanquish it, and we're killing and destroying the enemy so that he wouldn't exist anywhere on the earth. We're that strong Stretching faith. We not, not need to be naive. We need to take a stand, and the last man standing is going to be us. It's the mountain of the Lord. We go. We go inherit the earth. How do you inherit something that the others die and it's left to you? This earth will be left to us. This divine kingdom. This divine kingdom that's coming. It's the kingdom of God. It says second chapter again of Daniel. The 44th through the 45th verse. In, they, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will its sovereignty be left for another people, but it will crush and put an end to all of the kingdoms. And it will stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the great statue of bronze and the silver and the gold. The great God had revealed to the king what would take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is true. So thus far, what we do, we go about doing these things through the preaching of the word of God, speaking the word of God. It says, but it's for you, Titus, Teach the things which is an agreement in which become sound doctrine, which produces men and women of good character whose lifestyle identifies them as, as true Christians. In other words, this is what's going to show who you are. It's the word of God. It's your walk. It's being a doer of God's word. And don't deter from that. Don't, not even yourself. You have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after him. So he says, so you, my son, be strong, constantly strengthened, every day empowered in the grace that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus is this grace. The things are the doctrines, the precepts, the admonitions, the sum of this ministry, the gospel, which you have heard me teach in the presence of many witnesses, you entrust to others, but don't get entangled in this world's affairs. Let them fight the abortion battles. Let them fight same-sex marriage. Let them fight all these other things. You stand for God and you walk in the ways of Christ Jesus. It is finished. Show yourself and study to show yourself approved. A worker that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. You go forth in the word of God. Preach those things that becomes, this is where your power lies. It's going to be just as God said in the beginning. 
So not just ending up in revelation of Jesus Christ when it says the spirit in the bride says come. We're looking all the way back to Genesis where it says he shall bruise your heel but you shall crush his head. So they will take pieces off of you. They will get a piece of you. But you go bruise his head. In yeah. other words, that bruising of his head is going to be found the found straw. It's going to be where you put him to death. Yeah. We need to learn to war this battle. And stop being wimps. Stop being cowards. Only the strong in, in those of a good courage. Be not fearful. This battle looms. But he's going to make you a fine threshing hole. Who it hit, it hit. Whoever <clears throat> this rock falls on, it falls on. You'd better strengthen yourself so you have this insurance that Christ Jesus only offers that if you in him, that's the only way you will exist and you will have eternal life. Outside of Christ, there's no life. So we ask in God to strengthen us. We're weak. We ask in God that by his word that we be established by the word of God. And through faith, we help establish the laws of God because he's writing those laws upon our hearts. So where the word of God shows us light, you'll see that it's all coming true. It's falling into place. All of these things happening. There is no national boundaries and thing because the whole earth is the mountains of the Lord. Only those that assemble themselves before God shall be blessed. He's not going to rain on you if you're not one of his. It's going to stop raining on the just and the unjust because it won't be any unjust. Thy kingdom is coming and thy will is being done. And we're bringing that about. Speak those things. Now, whoever it costs their blood, their lives or whatever, we can't be afraid of willing the sword. That's the only way this is going to come about. He spoke and these things come about because it was Satan challenged what God had said. He said, thou shalt not surely die. We're going to see whether you die or not. If you're not in Christ Jesus, we're going to see whether you die or not. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. There's no other way he's telling us. He's the way. And it's a narrow way. We must walk therein. Prophecy gets us there. Understanding and knowing what God said. The proclamation of his word. And understanding forth. Because if those people were aware of their time, when he told them when Jerusalem is being destroyed, he says, not a rock's going to be left upon a rock, not a stone upon a stone. Well, what are you fighting for a building for? What are you fighting for the church for? Didn't he say... He up on the rooftop. Don't come down if you're on the field. Don't go back in the house. If you with children, woe be unto you. It's because when this thing comes, when Titus Vespasian came to Jerusalem, he did just what Jesus said he was going to do. In AD 70, not a stone was left up on the stone. But when people telling you about nationalism and patriotism and you fighting for your country, I'm going to fight for my Lord and Savior. If you didn't declare that Caesar was Lord, you died. Well, I'm declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our Lord and Savior. So those buildings and things that you're fighting for, all of those things, you're getting entangled in the Word. God is a spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you.